Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to episode 34 of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. This episode is for the week of June 13th, 2021. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Brian Reynolds, Vice President of Marketing with Episcopal Retirement Services, and I'm here with Kristen Davenport, our Director of Communications and our Executive Producer. How are you, Kristen? Hey, Brian. It's uh, great to be back with you here on the podcast. Yeah, it's summer. Um, The world is opening up and uh, the weather is great. And it's just, I'm finding I'm in a great mood and, and ready to to tackle all the the fun things to do outside. I know, right? And when I say uh, see you soon, I actually will get to see you in person. So that's uh, something we've enjoyed recently, getting back in the office a little bit. Exactly. And I'd be remiss just this last week, we learned as an organization that we were a a top workplace by the Inquirer Media once again for the 12th year. Can you believe that? Absolutely. And uh, I love the logo that our uh, co-worker Arlen came up with, Sweeter by the Dozen. It yeah. surely is Sweeter by the Dozen for us. Great ad and, and posters that he created with that theme. Um, and I, I have to say, I, I'm just so grateful to uh, to our team members that uh, who, who do the survey that allow us to win this award year in, year out, particularly after a hard year of living through the pandemic and serving our residents. It just affirms what a great team we have here together. So Kristen, with with all that excitement, do you want to tell us about our show coming up uh, today? Absolutely. Yeah. So we've got some great guests with us today on the podcast. Um, Joining us from Madison Villa, uh, our affordable living community in Madisonville is Tanya Walton. And Tanya has lived at Madison Villa quite a while, so she's seen that community evolve along with the neighborhood. And uh, we're going to talk to her a little bit about some of her um, ways she stayed engaged uh, during the isolation and the pandemic um, to being able to rejoin her neighbors and and do some gardening. So um, that's very exciting. Looking forward to my interview with Tanya. Also, uh, We'll speak with Beverly, uh, Beverly Edwards from Episcopal Church Home. Beverly's our executive director, and she has an update for us about our master plan down there at our community in Louisville, Kentucky. And then, uh, of course, we're going to get an update from President and CEO Laura Lamb. Looking forward to all these interviews, Brian. Yeah, well, and and just to hear from both a resident and uh, and one of our leaders about these two communities that have just gone through transformations or or are undergoing them. So looking forward to hearing that. So I guess with that said, do you want to introduce our first guest? Yeah, transformation. That's a great theme for this podcast, Brian. I think you just named it. Um, (laughs) Tanya Walton from Madison Villa has certainly seen the transformation in her community. So let's meet Tanya. Welcome to our podcast. I'm really happy to introduce you to our listeners. How are you today? Thank you. I'm wonderful today. Thank you for having me. You bet. Well, Tanya, you and I have 
known each other a while. And I think you've actually lived at Madison Villa for six years. Is that right? Yes, ma'am. Six years. So you've seen not only Madison Villa change, but also the neighborhood of Madisonville has really gone um, through kind of a rebirth. It's become such a great place to live now. Yes. And tell me a little bit about maybe what was it like there before ERS became the managers of Madison Villa? Madison Villa Apartments was not a real good place for me when I first moved here. Um, It was really bad to me Uh, and and to a lot of the other residents. Mm -hmm. Things have changed for the greater and the best. Um, there was a lot of drug activity in the building. It was very bad. Mm. Um, so all those things are gone now and people, the residents are relaxed. They're comfortable. They feel safe. They feel secure. And we all know each other. So that's the difference from five years ago Mm -hmm. at the Madison Villa to now Mm. things have greatly improved here management, um, overall, everything has improved here. So I love it here now. I loved it five, six years ago, but I even love it better now because those problems are gone. Uh, They dealt with those problems and it's just such a nicer environment here. That's true. And it's um, really been just completely renovated and we'll be having a, a virtual grand opening soon. Um, so I haven't actually been inside to see the new renovated spaces, um, but I've seen video and, and photos of them and it just looks so welcoming and just an inviting place to live. It is. It looks really nice and it feels good. Mm-hmm. It makes you feel better. Uh, better about yourself and better about the place that you live in. So that's important. Yeah. Uh, well, I know you've quality always... of life. That's very important. Yes, that's so true. Well, I know you have some wonderful neighbors and I've seen you a couple times recently um, outside. The spaces outside are really beautiful. Um, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about the gardens that you guys have um, there on the campus? Well, sure I will. We have a garden. We have plots in the back of the building. And there's exactly eight plots. And there's three spaces in each plot. So some of the neighbors have chosen to have one. And you plant anything that you like in your garden, herbs, vegetables, fruit. Um, So that's what we're doing, or that's what we have done. And it's very interesting to see what people like, what, what people like to see grow, and to see the growth, to see nature at its core. Mm-hmm. So it's very interesting, very fun. Um, it makes you feel a part of each other, a part of nature, as a, a good spirit, a good involvement. So it's really, really nice. So everybody has something different in their garden, what they like. And so it's interesting to look at the other people's gardens and say, oh, you have thyme or you have parsley, broccoli, greens, Mm -hmm. tomatoes, 
onions, carrots. People have all kind of things. So it's it's rewarding to go outside every day and to look to see what you have planted and to see it grow and to see smiles on everybody's face, uh, to know that we're doing something um, that we like and that we love and we could see it grow. So th- this was a good thing. This was a very positive thing. So I love it. I That's, love it. That is so great. And I'm, I'm really thankful for um, one of our local churches, uh, Redeemer um, Episcopal Church of yes. Park, yes. came and, um, and helped you guys. Um, what was that day like gardening with those folks? That was a great day. Good people, uh, very friendly. Uh, they brought snacks, and we just discussed the gardens, uh, good points and bad points. Gave us little pointers on things. Oh, wow. And we basically just chatted, talked about um, the building, talked about our plants, and we just had an all general conversation. And it was very good. They left too soon. Um, <laughs> we took pictures. They took all kind of nice pictures. And it was just very nice. It was oh. very nice. So we enjoyed them being here. We oh. appreciated that very much. Oh, yeah, I love that. It's It's been a long time since, you know, it was really safe for us to be together with um, people that weren't part of what I call our tribes. So um, it's nice to hear that there was that kind of a gathering. I'm sure it was really good. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of people Beautiful. attended. A lot of people attended, so that was a good thing to see. I didn't expect so many people to be there, mm-hmm. but so that was nice. That was really nice. Yeah, and our listeners can look on our social media channels like Facebook to see some of those photos because our photographer, um, Michelle Hain, is, um, was there that day and, and took some really beautiful photos. So everybody yes, she did. Took some to beautiful pictures. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I can't wait for um, those to get posted. So, um, well, let's talk about some other of your creative outlets, Tanya. I know that during the okay. pandemic, you probably spent a lot of time just in your apartment, but I know you didn't waste any time. Tell our listeners a little bit about some of the creative things that you like to work on. Okay. Um, during the pandemic, you know, everybody was staying in and kind of depressed and you know, just lonely. So I found something to do. I like to create jewelry. I like to make earrings. And um, that's what I've been doing for the last two years. And I've been doing it more since the pandemic. I've been working harder. And it's a tension reliever also. It's a stress reliever. And it's something I love to do. Um, And I love to see people smile and happy. So I make earrings, uh, one of a kind, and I've made about over 4,000 earrings and since, the, since the pandemic. Did you say 4,000 uh, no earrings? Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. I have over 4,000 earrings in my apartment on boards, on pegboards. So uh, every pair is different. There's no pair alike. Um, and that's my specialty. I don't make any two pair of earrings alike. So that's been my, um, my thing that I've been doing and it really keeps me busy. I like doing it. I, lo- I don't like doing it. I love doing it. Mm-hmm. And I love sharing with other people. 
So when I make the earrings, sometimes I give them away. Sometimes I sell them. Mm -hmm. But the joy is giving something, giving someone a part of me. That's the joy of doing it. Oh, yeah. So, so that's the joy for me. That's the joy for me, giving somebody a piece of me, which is my jewelry and a smile. So I've been keeping busy by doing that. And I do it every day. And it just, even though things may look better now, and I think they are better now, Mm -hmm. I still do the same thing because it just relieves my heart, my soul, and I love it. So that's what I do. Um, The name of my business is Unique Earrings for Less. And I am on Facebook and Instagram. All right. um, Yes, I'm on Facebook and Instagram. But I just love doing it. It just makes me smile. And um, when we have events here, we have different events here. We have, um, so sometimes I bring earrings. I volunteer and give earrings. And we get those for prizes and all different things. On the holidays, I make Christmas earrings, um, decorative earrings, and pass them out. And just to see people smile. It's always good to make someone else smile. You are making me smile right now, I must say, just to hear about that, <laughs> Thank you. that you're, you know, helping out your neighbors and, and bringing some prizes to the events that you guys have. Because I know you still have a lot of community events there. And, and uh, I know oh, that yeah. uh, Maddie's planned a lot of things for you doing it in a safe yes, way. Yes, so, Maddie's terrific. Maddie is just terrific. I love Maddie. So we're always doing things here. And that's really good, too. Um you never have to be really bored or alone. And that's the good thing here. Mm. There's always something for you to do, always someone to talk to. I love my neighbors. So a lot of times I feed my neighbors, walk around, make sure everybody's okay. We look out for each other and it just makes it a better place. It makes it a family. We're a family here. So I like that. We're a family. Mm-hmm. And we appreciate where we live and we love where we live. So we want everything to be not perfect, but almost perfect if we can <laughs> have it that way. Right. And uh, right. we have an exercise room now downstairs. So we have a gym. So now you can exercise. Um, you can move those bones and those limbs and stretch <laughs> out and relieve some of that tension. And it's, there's just so many good things that are happening here now. A lot of good things. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It's been great, um, I think, for our listeners to hear just, you know, not only what it's like to live at Madison Villa, but, you know, some some ideas about how to stay always active and engaged. I'm so glad that you found an activity that you truly love and that you're continuing to do it now. So thank you again for being on our podcast. Thank you. Thank you. It was a pleasure talking to you. And it's a pleasure always talking about Madison Villa because so many good things, so many good, great things are happening in Madisonville and the Madison Villa. So uh, I encourage people to come on down and join us um, because it's a great place to live. It really is. It's a wonderful place to live. Kristen, what a wonderful interview with uh, Tanya from uh, Madison Villa. It was it was really interesting to hear how she was able to stay 
engaged during the pandemic and, and uh, you know, every life at, at, at Madisonville. Well, yes, Brian, she um, is very, very active in the community with her neighbors. In fact, um, we recently did some video of their virtual grand opening and ribbon cutting. And Tanya was even part of that. So she's just that resident that um, is, is really willing to step up and help in any way. So she was there for us. And uh, if uh, Betty would like to see our grand opening ribbon cutting, uh, it's posted on YouTube and look for it uh, there um, on our channel and also in social media. Awesome. Well, with that said, uh, our next guest is President and CEO, Laura Lamb, and uh, here's my sit-down conversation with Laura. So we're back this week with President and CEO, Laura Lamb. How are you, Laura? Oh, Brian, I'm doing well. How about you? I'm doing good. The weather is wonderful. It's uh summer getting into some summer routines and uh feeling really good so good we're yeah. both anticipating vacations coming up i hear oh absolutely really looking forward to that so uh, uh some some good good time away is always nice yeah. so I, I thought it'd be good to kind of level set um you know with all things covid you know the the vaccinations are, have really um, increased, although maybe maybe leveling off a little bit at this point in the year. Um, obviously, the, the world's opening up, our, our communities are opening up, but so I, I wonder if you could kind of paint the picture of what's been going on at our ERS communities uh, and, and even, even here at the support office. Well, I'd love to. I'd love to. So, um, you know, the, like you said, the world is kind of opening up a little bit. And um, the last segment uh, or the last sector, if you'll remember, uh -huh. kind of even a year ago, we talked about um, like who would open last and it is um, aging services. So right. we're not quite fully opened. We still have guidelines from the governor that the governor order currently says that you know, we can have in-person visits, but they have to be scheduled and escorted. So we're, we're hoping that that might change in the future, but it's not, not quite there. Um, we have opened our dining rooms. We've um, actually, interestingly, we've had to um, reposition some of our unvaccinated staff in different areas because of the governor's order to, to, to allow our residents not to wear masks, mm -hmm. and not to have to social distance, of course, vaccinated residents yeah. um, in dining rooms and activities. So it's really been kind of a busy, busy time of kind of understanding the guidelines as they rate, relate to our levels of care and then making sure that we're incorporate incorporating those practices in our day-to-day -day, um, life of our communities. Right. But I think then the nice thing is residents are starting to see a little bit more normalcy in that they're going to dining and getting together for activities. And, and I think they're, from what I'm hearing, they're really starting to enjoy that. Oh, they are. And, and my in-laws are one of them at Dupree yeah, house that right. they're, you know, they're going down to the dining room and they're attending events in the club room. And, mm -hmm. you know, the, the energy that you, in the joy, um, is just fun, fun to be a part of, you know? Yeah. 
So yeah, it's been good. It's been, we're in a good place right now because of, you know, um, at our communities, our vaccination rate among our residents right. is extraordinarily high. I mean, some communities it's a hundred percent and then others uh, it's, it's 99 point, you know, whatever. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Well, that's great. But, but, but there's still, you know, uh, you know, I know we've had really a lot of success with vaccinations, but we've, we've got some, some staff that haven't gotten vaccinated for various reasons, but um, I, I know, and I, I know we're talking as an organization, what that means for our residents. So I wonder if you could talk about that a little bit too. Yeah, it, it's been a, it's been a, a long road and a long discernment process. Um, but, you know, I think I, I just, I don't know how we can can have our mission enrich the lives of older adults in an innovative person-centered and spiritually based way mm -hmm. and not reckon with the fact that unvaccinated staff that are entitled to their decision absolutely entitled to right. their decision yeah but it's it's really hard to lay that up against the fact that you know as an example if there's one unvaccinated server in the dining room, mm -hmm. then all residents, regardless of their vaccination status, have to wear masks and have to social distance. So I mentioned our mission because it's hard for me to reckon with the, the, the rights of one individual mm -hmm. to impact the quality of life of 140 individuals, right? Right. So, so we have taken this really slow. We've watched, you know, our increases in vaccination rate go up as people have more information. Mm have -hmm. seen, you know, that the, the vaccination, the vaccine is safe and yep. effective. Right. And so our rates are growing, going up, but like I said, it, it takes one staff member in a public area to change what our residents can do. So we, you know, we, we thought a lot about it. We debated it. We argued, we prayed, and we came to the conclusion that ERS is moving towards mandating vaccination. Mm -hmm. um, and we felt like it was really important to give our staff some runway to continue their discernment, right. not to rush them, yep. to give them kind of notice, be transparent about that and say, you know, we're moving towards mandating vaccination in the fall. Yeah. And, um, you know, I feel like that's really the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. You know, our, our leading age uh, members, um, our leading age national, um, you know, is it, they're moving in that direction because, you know, this, this, this disease, it, it has negatively disproportionately affected folks over the age of 65. Right. Um, I know you've read the statistics that in terms of the deaths, um, you know, 80% of the deaths are attributed to people over the age of 75. Right. So, you know, that's who we serve. We don't serve young adults. We don't right. serve children. So um, I feel like we have to use our mission as a guidepost. Our mission says that we enrich, we don't you know, negatively, you know, our mission doesn't say we yeah. negatively impact the lives of those we serve. Right, right. And I'm being, I'm being facetious, but trying to make a point that, 
you know, it's a, what did, what, what, did, what did I say to the team, Brian? I said, we start every day remembering that we work in their homes. Mm-hmm. Yes. They do. We do not, our right. residents do not live in our workplaces. Right. So well, it's a philosophy. It's yeah. a philosophy. Yeah. Well, it's funny you say that because that that's what came to mind, mind as you were talking that we yeah. live in their homes and, and they're, um, they, they, you know, living with purpose and living their lives, you know, is why they come to our community. And um, so it's, I think that's a very interesting point that that you bring up. And, and I I guess there's, there's, you know, I think one of the things that we're starting to take for granted in this country is that we're coming on the back end of this virus, but it's really not done. I mean, we see it exploding in other parts of the world and and so, so you must have still have some concerns about the virus in general to, to, to really you know, talk about moving in this direction. For sure, Brian. I mean, you know, um, all of us are reading the paper and watching the news and there's variants and, and, right. and other parts of the world are just getting clobbered. And if you look at how it, how it migrated last year, you know, those same other parts of the world got clobbered and then it came through travel to the United States. And right. um, I heard that a statistic that one in 10 of the current cases are one of the variants that are. Right. So, so what have we learned? We learned that even if you're vaccinated, you can get it, but the loss of life and the severity of the, the cases are, are much fewer. So, right. you know, we, we are we are concerned about the variant. We are concerned about the fact that, you know, you and I maybe have a different profile of response to a variant, but a a compromised elder who frankly is not, you know, out and about and doing maybe the things that you and I are doing, Mm -hmm. you know, unvaccinated staff can and, you know, have um, throughout the year, brought that, brought that virus into our community. And we just, we just have to do everything in our power to put a protective bubble, um, around those that we serve. So it, you know, it's not a guarantee thing, things will happen. You know, we have family members that aren't vaccinated that, that are visiting, you know, and you know, that, that is a concern too. So we can't control that, but we can, as an organization say, you know, if you can, you can work anywhere, but if you choose to work with the most vulnerable residents in our right. society, right. then we're going to ask you to do one thing to kind of, kind of ensure that we're not part of the problem. And that, unfortunately, that's the vaccine right now. Right. Well, and I know it's just always been it, about mitigating risk, right? And having those best practices in place because you may not be able to fully stop it um, because, you know, the virus is going to find these little segments where, where maybe people aren't, for instance, kids, you know, young kids can be one area or certain areas of the country where maybe the vaccination rates haven't been as high, may have higher, higher rates. So it's, it's interesting to see how that's played out, but Again, when you mitigate risks, you you reduce your opportunities for the virus to spread. It's you sure do, and you know it's you know I'm a scientist, right? Yes. So 
it drives me nuts because it's not a controlled experiment. You know, I don't mm-hmm. have, I don't have the ability to say, okay, if we don't intervene, this is the outcome. But if we do intervene, this is the outcome. And that would be an ideal controlled experiment. Life's not like that. So we have to, based on science, understand that we, you know, we can project and they have, the states have project what it would be like if you don't intervene. And we have, we have, we have really you know, I, I had a call just the other day of, you know, well, so-and-so in another community is doing it this way. And, you know, I, I just in the most loving way that I could said, you know, we go back every day to the CDC and the governor's guidelines. I mean, there's not a day that I don't pull that out and reference it in relationship to a question. Even on June 17th, I pull it out and I reference it. And I can't explain to people why other communities aren't following the guidelines, but we are, we are going to follow the guidelines. Um, And I believe that because we have been consistent Mm -hmm. in following the guidelines, that's why we have minimized um, the number of cases and more importantly, the loss of life. Yeah. Well, and I, I just, to watch it, you know, I, I know you've had a, a, a team of directors of nursing and administrators and other senior leadership uh, people, and you guys have been betting this day in, day out, week in, week out, and, and just to make sure that we're following those guidelines and, and, and putting into place the, the best practices, and that's been really interesting to watch, and yeah. you know, it's not been a, uh, you know, a, an effort that's that's for lack of of really thinking issues through so i it's really impressive thank you brian yeah i appreciate that you know as an observer thank you for sharing that perspective i feel like the team has done an amazing job absolutely it it is um you know been i know um for folks that have been in senior living and senior housing for 30 plus years this will go down in the record books as the most challenging and right we've often said that um you know, we never, never one day, never one day, those 10 leaders in our company that have been kind of responsible for our response and our mitigation mm-hmm. strategies, never, never did any one of us feel like we were alone. So right. Right. Um, that's really, that's great. Yeah. Well, and that leads me to, to, to my last question is, you know, just in reflecting over the last 14, 15 months of the pandemic, you know, what, what have you learned? What, what, what kind of, what, what, what do you bring out of this experience? I mean, it's been very emotional and, and, um, and and tiring and, and inspiring in some ways. So what, what, what do you bring out of it? Well, I, I think, I think just that, you know, that, you know, during this last 15 months or whatever, um, I've never personally felt felt alone. You know, I've had your support. I've had yep. the board's support. I've had, you know, even even when I've when I've had to share really bad news, I feel like people may not like the message, but they appreciate the thought that's gone into it. So, right. you know, our families and our residents have not always been happy with our guidelines, but yeah. I think they know our heart and that we're not doing it to be mean or spiteful or, right. or, or controlling or, or right. yeah. what's that with dr- draconian, right. <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing it to make sure that 15 months later, we're here together. 
right? Yeah. That's the important thing. We're alive. Right. And so I never felt alone. I think the other lesson is that a couple lessons that come to mind immediately is that, um, you know, you can never over communicate. And mm-hmm. you know, we, we really, <laughs> with yeah. your help and with, um, you know, a good computer, <laughs> Right. We've, uh, you know, I, I think I've personally uh, written more than 400 letters yeah. uh, to yeah. different constituents and, right. you know, I've never done that in a year. So yep. communication has been core with our, with our residents, with our staff, with our board, with our donors, that's been, and yep. you can't do enough. You just cannot, if you think you're doing enough, then do more because right. you can't do enough. Yep. And then I guess the other thing is, you know, um, just, I feel like I, I've always been grateful for our staff and what we do. And I, I try mm-hmm. to have a, a spirit of gratitude and make sure that I tell people how I feel about them and thank them for the care. But, you know, this, this year and just seeing how hard our team has worked, how selfless they've been to right. show up and care you know, put, put their health in, in, on the line in so many ways and, and being those heroes that we've all talked about. And, you know, I think sometimes uh, aging services were like more the unsung hero than maybe a hospital worker. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, just that gratitude and knowing that, again, just like you can't over communicate, we cannot do enough to share and, and our support and our thanks to our staff. It'll never be enough for what they've done. Yeah, they they have been out of this world over the last year. And I think you're right. We can't thank them enough. You can't thank them enough. So we just have to continue to pour on and pile on and make sure that every opportunity we we share with them how much we love and and support them. And we're here for them. You know, whatever it is, we're here for them. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it really showed, I think you said this earlier, it really showed you the best of so many people mm-hmm, um, for sure you know I know there's a lot of people and you know through this experience it, it might have showed the worst but mm-hmm. but with this organization you just saw the best mm-hmm, day for in sure. day out. for sure I believe that well Laura thank you so much for joining us again uh this week uh happy June and uh <laughs> we'll look forward to uh to getting together again in a few weeks to, okay. to update, update everyone Looking forward to it, Brian. You have a nice vacation. You too. Okay. Well, that was great to hear from Laura. Um, I've gotten to see her in person also, but uh, yeah. checking in and, and hearing her updates about you know how we've all come together during the last year, um, another transformation theme, I would say. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, you know, we certainly as much of a challenging year as it's been, you know, hearing from her and, and how much the team really came together and really relied on each other. Um, you know, it, it, it was good to hear from, from her perspective on that. So I, I really enjoyed that amongst just, you know, all the changes that have happened as we, we open up, it seems like it's changing weekly or if not daily at this point. So getting, getting those updates was, was really, really interesting. Well, speaking of changes, I'm um, anxious to hear uh, your interview with Beverly Edwards from Episcopal Church Home. Um, I know our Dudley Square community is changing before our eyes down there, and uh, I I can't wait to hear the latest update from Beverly. 
Yeah, from the front of the house to the back, uh, the back part of our campus, everything's changing so much. So here's, here's my interview with Beverly. So I'm here with uh, the executive director of the Episcopal Church Home in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, uh, Beverly Edwards. Hi, Beverly. How are you? Hi, I'm doing great, Brian. How about hey, yourself? I'm doing doing wonderful. The weather is great. It's summer. Um, a lot of the restrictions are starting to, li to lift. So I'm uh, feeling very, very positive and, and upbeat right now. So uh, and it's wonderful to wonderful to finally have you on the podcast. I'm happy to be here. Great. Well, you have certainly seen a lot of activity over the past year since we've announced the master plan and, and so much has happened. And, and I wanted to spend some time kind of going over some of those changes that you've, you've really been overseeing and, and driving. And, and, um, and so we can update our listeners on, on the community down there. And I, I think I'll, I'd like to just start with kind of the front of the house, um, which is really kind of coming to the conclusion of, of a lot of changes. And, and could you, so could you tell us kind of where we are with the, the Morton house? Most definitely. Well, all of our residents have been moved into their respective neighborhoods in Morton House and they've gotten settled in. I can remember when seeing the residents moving into their areas and seeing the um, excitement on their face and mm -hmm. one of the residents even commented on how they felt like they were moving into a resort um, and have been very excited about that. So. Um, that is going very well. The staff have um, transitioned into their respective roles and they're um, still learning and, and developing, you know, as they're caring for residents um, into those roles. There's a lot of excitement um, in the air here at ECH. This monumental change is, um, it's, much anticipated and uh, we're just looking forward to a bright future with that. We're also very excited about um, the opening of our new dining area that uh, yeah. should be ready to open here in the next month mm -hmm. um, or so. Uh, it is quite beautiful. I can't wait to see residents going in and seeing food prepared um, live and just, you know, feeling the, um, feeling and witnessing um, the fellowship that goes on on a regular basis. Right. The rotunda is simply beautiful. Mm -hmm. the, our woman's board is, I can't wait till they're able to actually move into the new gift shop. Um, yeah. I just can't imagine, um, you know, them, I can't wait to see the expressions on their face when they see it. The salon is still um, open and operating and mm -hmm. residents are um, utilizing that. So uh, yeah. everything's going well in the, in the front of the house. And right. So, so what are the levels of care that are now in that, that front part of the house? Because that was typically our personal care memory care area, but now those have had some some changes in how what level of services we'll be offering up there at least for now 
So we're continuing to offer um, all levels of care, but specifically in the front of the house, mm -hmm. then our Morton House East Side contains our skilled nursing residents, mm -hmm. uh, formerly known as our Clean and Marmion area. Mm -hmm. um, and the Morton House West Side is currently um, housing our memory care um, PC yeah. residents and our non-memory re PC residents. Right. So all of the healthcare residents at this point in time is in the front of the house. Yeah. And, and with, with those renovations and how they were kind of current uh, designed, they're, they're, they're really beautiful, very intimate healthcare settings now. They are. I mean, walking on to um, either neighborhood on Morton House is just beautiful. I mean, mm -hmm. there are parlors there that are beautifully uh, decorated. Once, once we go into the neighborhoods, there are sitting areas and, you know, it's just nice to see residents coming out into the common area spaces, enjoying, you know, a television program or engaging with another resident. All of our rooms at this time are private rooms and our mm -hmm. residents are thoroughly enjoying that yeah, um, it's just been a wonderful change um, from what we've had, and um, our residents and staff are excited about it. Yeah, well, and together with just that 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 great care that your staff offers down there, I think you know between the environment and the care, I, I'm really looking forward to um, that experience for our residents down there. So the other thing uh, th this week uh, was a big milestone was the demolition starting. So I wonder if you could kind of update our listeners on that. Well, um, yesterday was definitely a historic day um, in the life of our campus here at ECH. Um, demolition started um, a little afternoon on what used to be our skilled, I'm sorry, our rehab um, area called yeah. Morton neighborhood. Um, about this demolition process is going to take about a month um, mm -hmm. to complete. There's uh, Ridgestone has been a great partner, you know, as we've worked through all of the changes here on our campus and the demolition crew that's here has been wonderful to work with. Mm -hmm. So I'm just excited uh, about the changes that are coming through. But I would be remiss if, if I didn't mention that you know, we have so many long-term staff here on our campus, Yeah, many of which have been with us, you know, 15 plus years, and they've mm -hmm. seen a lot of change on our campus. So while there's, there are some mixed emotions that are here, yeah. and, and it's what I like to um, call bittersweet, yeah. because there's the, um, we'll always have the fun memories um, mm -hmm. in our hearts that we've shared in the older portion of our campus, but right. we're also eagerly anticip anticipating this new and exciting vision that we have for ECH, so. Right, well, and so in that area going forward, you'll have nestled this new patio home community and then your new personal care building, which really looks exciting as we're starting to see some of those designs. Oh, absolutely. After the uh, demolition is complete, um, then we'll start on our new PC building, uh, which is going to be facing um, Linden Lane. It's mm -hmm. going to be a 22 
um, apartment building for our non-memory um, PC residents. So we're looking forward to that. And one of the cool features is that, you know, as we looked at before demolition, we looked at clearing the older portion of the building and there is um, a piece of furniture uh, within the older building that had been in our original home. Oh, wow. Um, on Morden Avenue. And uh, we're gonna take pieces of that massive um, piece of furniture and we're gonna work it into one of our archways um, in the new PC building. And we're also gonna take other ornate um, items and work it into the design so that oh, while wow. we're, we're embracing the new, yeah. we're still remembering, um, you know, those things that have served us so well and being sure. very respectful. So I was so pleased when Laura Lamb um, shared that we were going to be doing that. Oh, that's so neat. I hadn't heard that, but I, I think, you know, to your point, ECH has such a rich history, I think almost at 140 years now of history. Um, that, that's a really cool way to honor, honor the past. So, so then moving kind of back towards the campus there's also some other exciting things that are popping up on the horizon with our model homes and our clubhouse absolutely the model homes are coming along great in fact i was over at the model home on yesterday and mm -hmm. um, it is just simply beautiful yeah. Uh, we are anticipating those model homes to open within the next month. Mm -hmm. um, right now, they're working on landscaping, yeah. um, and it is just it's simply beautiful. Yeah. The clubhouse is um, expected to be complete near the end of August, early September. Um, framing is up, roofing is, is on the clubhouse, and, you know, oh. it's just a lot of excitement in the air. Yeah. Uh, to have a clubhouse on our campus right. uh, for the first time in a place where our Dudley residents can gather and yep. uh, call their own. Yeah, and, and, and the clubhouse from what I've seen in the design will be a really nice open space um, for people to gather, maybe some, some smaller spaces too, if, if there's a little more intimate at gathering and then a fitness area as well, correct? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, residents have already um, began asking questions about the uh, activities that are going to be um, mm -hmm. held there and the pieces of equipment that's going to be there for their use. Yeah. So, we know we're going to be working closely with residents to understand uh, their interests so that we can offer um, activities and, you know, classes that they will enjoy and, um, just to help them live their best life. Right, right. Well, and I know for those new patio homes being built, there's a lot of interest um, coming in from the community. That's been really encouraging to see and hear. So we're really looking forward to showing off those, those new model homes for everybody. Yes, indeed. We are um, going to have an open house, you know, once those model homes are completed so yep. that um, we can let, yes, our, our local community uh, members um, see mm -hmm. our offerings, but also, you know, open it up to the broader um, community. And yeah, so I'm looking forward to this. Yeah, yeah, me too. So 
Well, Beverly, thank you so much for joining us and, and, and providing this update. And I'm sure we'll want to circle back around in several months um, as more progress happens. So thank you so much. Well, you're welcome. It was my pleasure to be with you today. Brian, hearing from Beverly, oh, all these things opening up, that's such good news to hear. Yeah, yeah. There's so much going on down there. And man, have they been able to do a lot even through the pandemic? So very proud of that team and, and looking forward to seeing that that transformation again. Um, you know, for my own eyes, I'm going down tomorrow to see see more of what, what's been happening. But to hear it from Beverly and how much has been accomplished is, is simply amazing. All right. I'm a little jealous, but I guess I'll have to plan my own trip to Louisville very soon. That's right. We'll need pictures and videos. So I'm sure it'll be happening before you know it. Well, that's it for this latest episode of the Linkage Podcast by Episcopal Retirement Services. For more information about us, you can find uh, visit our website at episcopalretirement.com. We have lots of great content, including our Linkage online blog, uh, resources to learn more about aging and the services we offer and so much more. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and YouTube to see what's going on within ERS and our communities. If you have any questions or feedback for us, we'd love to hear from you. Please email us at info at erslife.org. The Linkage Podcast is produced by Kristen Davenport and myself, Brian Reynolds. Biasha Davis is our associate producer, and our technical director is Michelle Hain. I'd like to thank our guests today, Tanya Walton and Beverly Edwards, and a special thank you to our president and CEO, Laura Lamb, for always being available to give her updates. On behalf of myself, Brian Reynolds, and Kristen Davenport, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll look forward to our next podcast in the next few weeks. Thanks, Kristen. Hey, you're welcome, Brian. See you soon.